Yo, this is Creature K. You're listening to Wise Words with Yours Truly podcast, hosted on the Anchor app. Let's take a look at this news article I discovered earlier today. Culture matters. From the underground to mainstream, emo rap explodes into the streaming music scene. With emotional lyrics and themes, the breakout genre is a rap iration of the early 2000s emo music scene. It's got a picture of Juice World. Um, this article, is a, you can find it on EC News. So they're trying to take a look at the music industry so let's take a look at this article it's a music genre that has made its way from a user generated airwaves of SoundCloud to having its best year yet on the streaming services like Spotify emo rap the music category which features artists like Little Xan and Juice World topped a list released by Spotify's Tuesday of the genres that saw the most growth in 2018 the music streaming service tells NBC News that the category didn't just rise in popularity this year it exploded emo rap grew 292 percent in 2018 over uh last year wrote spotify's trends expert shannon cook in an email according to our data emo raps shares of listens started increasing in the fall of 2017 but really took off in 2018 yeah if you think about it you know um you had like little peep uh 2017 really doing his thing and there's a lot of deaths, a lot of opiate deaths, so I think that's the direction this article will take. According to Spotify's data system used to define music genres, rap or emo rap typically features blown-out bass, wallowy trap beats, and purposeful rawness. Spotify's breakout artist of the year, 20-year-old Jared Juice World Higgins, hails from the emergence, the emerging scene. Simply put, the genre's real distinctive feature boils down to the same factor that launched the angst-filled lyrics of My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy in the early 2000s. Right, they found a, they found a, you know, the origins of where this emo rap is coming from. Emo rock. Alright, so, which, you know, in a lot of ways is uh, American-based. You know, they mentioned Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance. So, uh... All you have to do is listen to the artists themselves, and you'll know the emo rap and emo rock are linked to one another," said Adam Bradley, co-editor of the anthology of rap. Whether it's XXX Tension, Loving Paramore, or Little Peep reimagining songs by Good Charlotte and Blink One Eighty Two, and Bright Eyes, you can draw a straight line between the sonic styles and the lyric subjects between emo rap and emo rock. Lil Xan performs during the Billboard Hot 100 Festival in New York. He's just this little kid, tats on his face. <laughs> so Bradley, who's an English professor at University of Colorado uh, in Boulder, Colorado, added that both emo styles share a rejection of racial boundaries, calling the latter defiantly multiracial. See that? So, yeah, it's breaking boundaries in hip-hop. So for the feelings expressed in emo rock are nothing new, experts say, in some ways this is timeless, the feeling of a- angst, uh, frustration, powerlessness, said Eric Nelson, associate professor of the liberal arts at University of Richmond. This seems kind of like an eternal dynamic. Nielsen specializes in rap music, wrote in, uh, for the U.S. Supreme Court case, uh, Aloneness versus the U.S., explaining how the genre can be misunderstood. Both scholars told NBC News that artists like Tupac, Kid Cudi, and the hip-hop group Ghetto Boys can all be considered predecessors to emo rap because they 
two strap lyrics of confident self-praise for vulnerability and self-doubt. Right, you know, speaking in third party and being able to jump characters, being hard, but then also being sad and emotional toward, you know, the real atrocities in the society and, you know, uh, the, from the police brutality to, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So let's continue the article. I don't think rap has ever lacked for emotional rawness and self-exposure, Bradley said. I just think that in a moment now where the popularity of these kind of songs is increasing, where the everyday realities of most young Americans is such that we're seeking out a soundtrack that suits our moods. Right, you know, this, the soundtrack to our lives, which could make or break your human experience. You know, you can be listening to the soundtrack song that, you know, eventually gets you locked up and, you you know, you catch a case with your homies. Stuff like that. Um, or you can have a soundtrack to, uh, you know, when you first fell in love with, you know, your your partner or whatever. So still the predominantly young fan base of the genre appears to be positively responding to the rawness behind acts like late Jose XXTancion, who saw his career skyrocket on SoundCloud. In the first studio album, 17, the artist's first track provides an unapologetic defense of the themes addressed in his music. While listening to this album, you are literally, and cannot stress this enough, literally entering my mind, the artist said, calling his album a collection of nightmares, thoughts, and real-life situations. And, you know, let me just point out, you know, that that album is emoed out, you know, it's, it's a lot of crying and a lot of whimpering and with no solution uh, of any kind. <laughs> uh, so I'll continue the article. So if you are not willing to accept my emotion and hear my words fully, do not listen, he continued. SoundCloud rap, as emo rap has also called origins, can be traced to the music sharing service. Experts at Spotify and SoundCloud said... Erica Montez, head of the artist label relations at SoundCloud, said that early artists created the genre using influences from Atlanta's trap scene, emo, punk, and beats reminiscent of the 90s. Bradley said that you can see how emo rap SoundCloud origins have helped shape its content. Emo rap's origins in SoundCloud shape the music to this day by supporting a kind of DIY, do-it-yourself approach to making music, he said. The very things that come... Or the, or the very things that some hip-hop purists criticize about Existencion or Little Xan or others is the lack of witty punchlines or intricate rhyme patterns. The very thing that defines its aesthetic emo rap is much more about sound and feeling as it is about subject matter. Genre's dominance has also prompted discussion in the mental health and substance abuse. This was seen in the death of one of the genre's top artists, Little Peep, who died of drug overdose November 2017. The artist, whose real name, uh, Gustav, told Lifestyle site High uh, High's Snobriety last October that at one point he was taking more than 20 Zans a day to deal with anxiety. Music makes me cry, he told Vince News in a December interview. It helps me let, uh, let it all out, express myself, both listening to it and making it. U.S. Drug, drug Enforcement administration has blamed the genre for glorifying opiate use. They investigated the death of uh, Diana, 29, who died of overdose uh, in December. Overdose of heroin and fentanyl. She had died from allegedly distributed by someone linked to the music scene. Uh, 
investigation led into the underbelly of emo rap and its glorification of opiate use. Nielsen, however, said that he's seen emo rap help the students make sense of their issues, citing how it can help to see celebrities dealing with real suffering. But he also said listeners should remain weary of the confessions artists are making. <laughs> weary of the confessions they're making. We're always, we always have to remember that this is still a form of entertainment, he said. Artists are often taking on a type of confessional tone as part of their branding. Wow, that is, <laughs> that is, that is the underbelly agenda of this, of this whole article. Artists are often taking a type of confessional tone as part of their branding. And before that, it said, uh, but also, but he also said listeners should remain weary of the confessions artists are making. So, little peep, uh, apparently, um, you know, him and many other emo rap artists are, um, dealing with these real life issues, you know, real suffering on an emotional level, intense. And, um, you know, not necessarily their, uh, chord progressions, uh, with the music, but it's, you know, cause they're trap beats or whatnot. Some of them are gloomy and stuff like that, but for the majority of the time, it's the, it's, it's the vocal, uh, tonal harmonies and different ways these artists are pretty much pulling off the, the whole emo style of rapping, which is reminiscent of, um, styles like Lil Wayne's, uh, type of mumble rap, get in the booth and record, um, you know, take after take, compiling, uh, the, the perfect recipe um, that, you know, floods the SoundCloud culture. And, um, yeah, according to Spotify's data system, they used, uh, you know, it's, it, they got definitions of where all of the, the uh, you know, because there's different genres. You know, you could be creating a type of music, you won't even know you're in that genre. Or, uh, you know, everything is not categorized uh you know, in, in a kind of like a confined way anymore. There's subgenres and, you know, there's different ways of describing um, someone's music they create. But the emo rap is it's kind of like a mumble rap categorization that they're throwing on on this uh, style to keep, every, you know, to keep the, keep a genre building and, uh, just finding that balance. So there's a lot of artists that take on this type of style. I see it a lot in the in the music scenes that I kind of migrated to. So this article was pretty interesting. I'm just kind of revising it a little bit. Yeah, SoundCloud, you know, it's, a, it's still being used today. You know, it's not like a CD baby. But I mean, there's still thousands and thousands of people. Uh, reportedly using, you know, websites like CD Baby and SoundClick to promote uh, this emo rap stuff too. Um, but for the most part, the confessions artists are making. Artists are often taking on a type of confessional tone as part of their branding. So yeah, so their branding is, you know, confessing, you know, uh, beef and drama and, I mean, it, on a surveillance state type level. That's what's going down, literally. You got these 
uh, rappers confessing about drugs and just the different pills and uh, lifestyle driven soundtrack and you know these these youngsters are are living it out and really doing the drugs I remember I, I knew um, a couple people uh, maybe a year or two ago that were just heavily just sucked in the system I remember telling this person like hey like you know it's like an inside joke for a lot of these these rappers like they don't even do the drugs uh, but the but the SoundCloud ones that that really have to convince their audience from a grassroots level, like they're really taking the substances and really you know tripping out and having that psychedelic experience and coming back and you know they're getting behind a computer and putting together beats and sampling all these rock songs like Good Charlotte and Fall Out Boy and stuff like that and. Um, you know, I I seen this whole emo thing coming some years back. I remember uh, growing up in Fresno, there'd be all kinds of bands. Even uh, one of the members uh, from Fall Out Boy was from Fresno. And I remember just that whole emo scene. I never gravitated to that scene, like the the real heavy gangster rap scene that was, you know, going down in school. But I did kick it with some of the goth type kids, and I did get a kind of a a well-rounded view of what people were listening to and how it was branded uh, to reach uh, these certain demographics and you know kids you know this is barely when the cell phone culture was starting to catch on and you know you had uh, you know a certain remainder of kids that were online all the time and just uh, you know you seen the I got to see the transition of uh, how the emo rap inspired those kids that were in rock bands and stuff like that. And then eventually, uh, you know, they got behind a computer and started making beats uh, for their gangster type friends. And and eventually they just kind of, you know, the democracy kind of just, you know, there was an opening for this emo thing uh, for, for the rap to go in that direction. And it's pretty interesting to see, um, you know, the, you know, the Juice World gets uh, a, like a huge uh, portion of his royalty percentages uh, stripped by Sting from the band Police uh, because Juice World's uh, either engineer or the place he recorded, or I mean him technically, uh, he you know released a song with a beat that was uh, sampling an old uh, Sting record. So, you know, you see the 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 culture is uh, enabling the sampling of all these old records but I mean if you do you know make it on a global level if there is such thing as a viral uh, you know a viral song if, if that even even applies um, to you um, you know in a lot of ways uh, they say that you know it could be organic or it, it could really be fueled by advertisements or somebody that's really pushing for a song or a certain artist to be in our face. Like we just seen Blueface, this one rapper from LA, I think, uh, he's getting spotlighted from everyone, from all the big major names. Uh, on their, you know, you got Drake listening to him and, you know, on his Instagram and stuff like that and giving shout outs and really just trying to ride the wave of, you know, who's going to be the next one to pop. Um, so, you know, you start to see, I mean, that guy's a gangster rap 
artist, uh, Blueface, but, you know, I could see him getting on a song with some emo rap artist like Juice World, you know, uh, or, or someone like Drake, you know, which is like dealing with a lot of pop music and stuff. So, yeah, we took a look at the article. Tell me what you guys think of the emo rap scene and, you know, did, did, did you see it flourish when it did? And, you know, do you create that type of hip hop? And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on sampling rock records? Uh, you know, that a lot of American kids grew up listening to Slipknot and Marilyn Manson. They're sampling stuff like that now. And slowly but surely, you see uh, situations like Meek Mill, where he just dropped this Champions album. And on that album, he uh, the first like five or six songs are, are heavily sampled. They're uh, well-known samples that he flipped. And when he released that that record, all the samples were cleared from from my uh, understanding. And he was making a statement with putting, you know, I mean, because he, I mean, the remainder of of the rest of the album was uh, like, you know, that they were beats that were played, you know, and they were like created with keyboards and synthesizers and stuff but first couple of songs they were sample flips and it was like a major statement you know he you know for for those five six songs that he did it, it was uh, he had to clear those samples you know probably a couple hundred thousand so um tell me what you guys think of this whole this whole concept thanks for listening this is wise words with yours truly i'm out peace